0: You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. These scripture passages. Here's what it says. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake... Of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you this word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, that is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. May God add his blessing to the reading of his most precious word. You may be seated. So, we will end today with, the, this is really the, it's kind of a, a, new, a new sermon, but it's also a, a follow-up to our revelations, because here's what, um, so far I haven't dropped out this morning, oh yes, um, uh, this, um, here's what the, the reality is for all of us. Look, I could have preached the Revelation series, and then just given up. Um, and not giving up in a bad way, just just said, okay, I, I gave you all the information. Now you know how the seven churches reacted and what, they did and what they did wrong and what they did right. But there was a spirit within me, and I believe it was God's spirit, that reminded me that you can't just dump information and then not give them something to, to put their, their hands on. And so today, we're going to look at what's the plan. Taking the seven churches and and understanding that there's a little bit of all of us. And when I say all of us, I mean every church in America and around the world. There's a little bit of all of us in all seven of those churches. We don't like to admit it, but it's true. Because the world has become blurry. Have you ever noticed... That sometimes when you get a little older, and, you know, I don't have the right to talk about this by some of your standards. But, you know, you take these off and now all of a sudden I can't see who's sitting in the back pew. Because it's blurry. Do you know that the world has become blurrier since we went through the pandemic? It's become really blurry. So much so that I I was fascinated by this. Michelle and some ladies from our church went to a conference this past weekend, and you know, Michelle said that the the topic was um, basically mental health in the church. Now, nobody likes to talk about that. Because the minute you say mental health, everybody thinks, "Oh, you're calling me nuts." That's not at all what mental health is, but that's what we say in the world. Do you know that at the same time as they were doing that, Promise Keepers was announcing a new series that you can do at your church for men called Mental Health for Men? Do you think two big organizations got it wrong? That there's really no problem, but two big organizations just happened to get it wrong? No, I don't think so. See, life has become Blurry. Lines have become blurry. We have people who once said, you know, this this this, you know this this is the the word of God that now say, well, portions of it are. But certainly not things that that call for accountability. It's uh it's become blurry. kind of like this very popular commercial that once aired on TV. I'm going to show it to you this morning, and you can guess what it was advertising. Here, go ahead, run it, Austin. Next slide. Here, kitty. Ks, 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 ks. Me, sir. Here, kitty. Oh, this come snuggled with mama. It's a good girl missing something? (laughs) That is a commercial for Sears Optical, where you can buy glasses. Here, kitty, as a raccoon jumps in her bed. (laughs) Things got blurry. They continue to get blurrier day by day, not just for our eyes physically, but for spiritual eyes as well. We don't realize that we are inviting into our homes or our lives, as that lady didn't realize she was inviting a raccoon to have the night. The same thing goes for the church, specifically over the last couple of years. The goal is blurry. The purpose is blurry. Well, that's replaced with words like survival and just float. The ministry, well, the ministry becomes a burden to many. And the target, well, many in the church, not not just this church, I'm talking universal church, shoot for anything, they say. That way, if we hit something, we're on target. As we went through the Revelation Churches series, I kept saying to myself, Brett, and yes, I do talk to myself, You can't just leave them hanging. you got to share with them God's vision for them and for the church. And for that reason, I'm thankful that the Apostle Paul is crystal clear in the book of Colossians about the ministry, the target, and the purpose of each of us, and the church as a whole. Paul writes and says, This is what I do. This is the target of what I do. And this is why I do what I do. He says this clearly, and then he begins to model how that actually looks in the letter itself. Now, we can't go through the entire book today, but we can learn from the parts that we're going to study. And as we look at these, I want to put them together and let it shape the philosophy of Faith Church. Because what we are going to see here goes for everyone. I don't don't want you reading this scripture passage and saying, boy, pastor, your job description is pretty written out in Colossians. No. All of our job descriptions are pretty written out in Colossians. See, he doesn't just say, this is for pastors. This is for leaders. This is for people who want to be on FCLC. This is, this, is, this is for everyone who sits in a church. If you're a guest here this morning, thank you so much for coming. It's our blessing to have you here. And you can think of this sermon as just me dreaming, us dreaming about the kind of church we want to become. If you're a Christian, please pray for us towards this. And if you're here just checking things out, Hopefully this will be a good snapshot of what we're trying to do. The first thing is this, the ministry. The ministry. Now on your, in your bulletin there's a blue sheet. That's a sermon outline. You can fill in the gaps if you would like to. So the first gap is the ministry. The ministry. Here's Colossians 1:28. Here's what he says. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Straightforward. Paul says at the beginning of verse 28, speaking of Jesus, he is the one we proclaim. Now in verse 27 that we didn't read, just before it, Paul explains that what God has called him to do. Excuse me. Paul is called to make known, to show people that the riches of God's glory is Christ. And that Christ is great among the nations. Which means the good news of Jesus is, is for everybody, everywhere. And that good news, the truth once veiled but now clear, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's all this about, Pastor? Well, let's just cut to the chase. Here's what it's about. The gospel is not a system. You can't force people through it the same way. How I come to know Christ as my Lord and Savior is different than how Debbie Green, our discipleship team leader, came to know Christ. It's different than the person who's sitting in the back pew right now who I can't see. (laughs) It's different than the person who's sitting halfway up the sanctuary. We're all different. It's not a system that you push people through. We make it that as a church, gotta do this, gotta do this, gotta do this, gotta do this. That's not at all what it is. It's also not a hierarchy. It's not a hierarchy. It's not when you become one of the cool kids at church, you get saved. No. It's not a set of regulations. Oh, do we make it that? It's really not a set of regulations. It's not a set of rules. It's not follow this rule and you're fine and follow, don't follow this rule and you better be careful. No, what it is is it's the work of Jesus Christ, period. It's how Jesus comes into your life. when you put your faith in Jesus when you trust him and embrace him in his death and resurrection for you then you become united to him his spirit becomes a part of you and you are about to be joined to Jesus that all of his benefits all of his benefits as a son of God become yours it means that you're forgiven for all your sins you've been declared righteous and guiltless before God. It means that you're cleansed from any defilements. And you are made a son or daughter of God with a future. Here's the word for admonish in the New Testament. It's also translated warning. In the original language, the word is literally to put in mind. It carries the idea to put your mind in order. It's the negative side of Paul's ministry when he needs to fix things to organize complexity, to clear things up. It's the changing of attitudes and actions. See, the dangerous part in 2022 is is that I hear people saying these words I'm saved but I'm not going to change. And what the Apostle Paul says is, is that those are like oil and water. They don't jive. And so he starts off with this ministry and he says, listen, one of the tough parts of my ministry in Colossae, where this church is located, remember he's writing to a church, this is very important to know, he's writing to a church, is that I have to admonish people. I have to look them face to face and say, listen, you are not living a life that is honoring to the glory, to the glory of Jesus Christ. It's not an easy position. In fact, Paul is, is pretty much much admitting this is not probably his favorite part of his job as a pastor and a missionary. But it's part of it. And the reality is, is that, that he goes on and he mentions this other part of it and 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 and, and he says these words about teaching. Now, I know probably most of us sitting here this morning are not thinking, yeah, I need to be warned. Maybe that person next to me needs to be warned, but not me. Don't look at them. I need teaching. But you see, that's not how it works. I saw this T-shirt on Facebook the other day, and I'm going to buy it if they have it in my my size. I, I need to... Get down a little bit before I buy it hopefully but it says everyone has a battle that you don't know about be nice I'm guaranteeing you if you're sitting here or you're in the sound of my voice at your own house or wherever you are you have some things that need to be worked on you have some places where you need to be admonished And it's okay. What's not okay is to sit and say, I'm good. I'm not going to be challenged. That is where some fall. We all need help in getting things right and seeing things truly and getting rid of the blur. This is not for some certain type of person. It's for everyone. It's not one-time thing. This is our ministry at Faith Church. This is what we do. We help one another understand the glory of Jesus. We help one another understand how Jesus changes lives, how Jesus loves you enough that he doesn't want you to stay where you are today. He doesn't want you to have the same attitude that you had yesterday. He wants you to better yourself every day. That's why the Bible speaks often of new graces and new mercies every morning. Why does he give us those? Because he wants you to know that he doesn't carry Friday's frustration into Saturday. No, when you wake up on Saturday morning, you have a clean slate. Now listen, I'm preaching to myself this morning. Because I like to carry Friday's frustrations into Saturday's and into Sunday and into Monday and into Tuesday and into Wednesday and then they pile up. And the Apostle Paul is saying to the church in Colossae, listen friends, you have a clean slate every morning. You start here but you don't stay there. That's why I've I've seen, in, in my years, I've seen 90-year-olds that aren't as mature in Christ as 16-year-olds. Now, what the church does is we say, well, that's a, that's a 90-year-old that spent 80 years in the church, or 90 years in the church. They're certainly more mature than the 16-year-old. Not if they stayed where they were. Not if they made excuses for not growing. And the Apostle says, the Apostle Paul here says, that's what the ministry that we do. We help one another. We help each other. It's simple. In our relationship, we just keep coming back to him and again, 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 and trying to understand together who he is and what he has done. Really, this is our ministry. We speak Jesus to one another. That's the ministry. Um, You should be on another slide there, Austin. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, keep going. I'm way ahead of you. There we go. All right. So that's what we are looking at. The message is, is that we speak Jesus. We speak Jesus to one another. The next thing that we look at is the target, the target. Here's what the target says in 128b. So that we may present ourselves, everyone, fully mature in Christ. So why do we speak Jesus? Because we want everyone who is present to be mature in Christ. Very simple, isn't it? We want everyone to handle themselves as someone who is mature in Christ. Understanding that this side of heaven, that is a tough call. Now the word for mature could also be complete. It means that our goal for everyone who comes into this sphere of our ministry right here at Faith Church, is that they be complete in Christ, grow up in cl- Christ, whole in Christ. I think Paul puts some flesh on it when he means by fully maturing Christ in the rest of the letter. In fact, in just a few verses later, in chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, Paul says that his struggle for the church is, is that we reach all the riches of full insurance, of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mercy, which is Christ. Can I, can I be frank, or, you know, I'm going to be Brett, but I'm going to be truthful with you this morning. Here's what the, here's what the issue is we've We've given up on this goal not not just here we we have this this attitude that we're where we need to be. I can't possibly grow in Christ any longer and what ends up happening is is, is that It becomes a frustration if we don't deal with it. Listen to what Paul says about who is mature in Christ. He asks this question, what does it look like to be mature in Christ? Here's, here's some things. I'm just going to read them. They're going to be up on the screen as well. But here's, here's some things. To be mature in Christ is to know Christ. Or to be mature in Christ, Paul might say, is to walk in Christ. To be rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. Or Paul might say that to be mature in Christ is to set our minds on Christ. To find our identity in Jesus, whom our lives are hidden Verses chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. He might also say being mature in Christ means we look like Jesus in our character. Oh, Lord, you're stepping on him. It's also to let the peace of Jesus roll in our hearts. To let the word of Jesus dwell in us richly. To be mature in Christ means that in whatever we do, whether in word or deed what we do every, that we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks to God for the thanks to God the father through him chapter 3 verse 17 you know later in the first corinthians paul says that it even means that you eat to the glory of god something as simple as eating You even do that to the glory of God when you're mature in Christ. Now, I can go through that list, and I'm sure you can too, and you should this week, and just check a few places where you're like, "Ah, I think I need some work. I can tell you very honestly that the one that I... Need to work on a lot is the identity. Where's my identity? I can guarantee you it's not in pastor, it's not even in father, it's not son, it's not husband, it's Christian, it's a believer in Jesus Christ. But oh, how the world pushes us to make it about that title. And then somehow when you don't make and add up that title, you're no good anymore. That's Satan. Our mission straight from the mouth of Jesus is to make disciples. And now Paul helps us qualify what that looks like. We want to be this in a grown-up way. A disciple of Jesus, a worshiper, a servant, a missionary, is not just who we want to become in theory. We aren't just saying, yeah, that sounds great. No, being a disciple is, is, like this is not just doing us doing things. We're not going to become disciples of Jesus like this just by incorporating new events into our lives. You know, I've been saying it for a couple of weeks because God's been building this into my heart, and my life, but do you realize what he says about a disciple of Jesus Christ? If you need to be reminded, here's what he says. A disciple of Jesus takes up his cross daily. A disciple of Jesus doesn't consider his life something to be lived out, but lays down his life. For his Savior. You see, what we have done sometimes in in, in, in 2022 and and before that, we've we've made it easy. We've said things like, come to an auto rail, pray a prayer, go up, you're fine. No need to worry about a single thing. No need to grow in the Word. No need to do that. And now we are reaping those benefits. Or non-benefits. We are looking around churches literally in America and saying, where's the next leader coming from? Where's the next person that's going to be spiritually able to handle the mission of the church? And Paul deals with it in the Church of Colossae and he says, listen, this is a struggle. The target is just not how we think or what we do, but this is about an all-consuming embrace of Jesus. Bishop Bruce, a couple of years ago, his, his, his title of national conference was all in. And throughout that week, we heard about how we have to be all in and you know and I I'll be honest I sat in the crowd and I heard about being all in and yeah you don't have two kids that have things that need to be done and you don't have this and you don't have that and you don't and I made every excuse in the book like we do every Sunday morning sometimes And then I came to this passage and I said maybe you can tell him I said this next week Maybe Bishop Bruce isn't as far off his rocker as I thought he was. The reason there's a... Because we haven't fully embraced Jesus in a lot of ways. Or maybe we should say we haven't Fully embraced his all-consuming embrace of us. We don't want to merely be something on paper. We want our lives to be overcome by him. I want the end of myself. I want Christ to be all. I want you to want that too. I want us to to want it together. That's what Paul says. That everything we do, whether in word or deed, we do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. This is being mature in Christ. Listen to the words in verse 18. I'm going to have Austin put it on the screen. There's 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 a couple of words I think it's the next slide Austin. No, that's not it. Go back. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, that's not it either, Austin. You're back one. I'm sorry. This should have been more. Okay. All right. Um, so, obviously, I didn't put it on the screen. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. I want you to notice, here's what I'm trying to get at. I want you to notice that he says everyone, which means it's important. The work and the goal is for everyone. What we're trying to do here at Faith Church is for everyone. It doesn't start here and then go out there. It's for everyone that steps foot in the church. But to be clear, what Paul is doing is, is he's saying everyone intends, is saying that that God's grace is what does it. So in other words, if you're not tuned in to God's grace, you'll give up. What ends up happening is, is that we look at spiritual growing, spiritual conquest like a diet. You, you've been there before. You don't know you have, but you've been there before. Okay, so you're, you're trying to lose weight, right? And you're sitting at Red Lobster. Wrong place to be when you're trying to lose weight. But you're trying to lose weight. And you eat that piece of cake. What's the first thing that goes through your mind, usually? oh, <sighs> here we go again. I made a wrong choice. And the same thing happens when you miss devotions for one morning. Here we go again. I've let God down. No, you haven't. Because His grace covers it. What He wants you to do is get up the next morning And get into his word. See that's the desire here that Paul is driving at the church of Colossians. Stop making it about having to be perfect every day. That's not the desire of Jesus. And quite frankly when we do that. We're saying we are better than Jesus. The one who is perfect every day. And so Paul is saying to the Colossian church, understand that God's miracle-working grace is in Jesus. It's him that saves us and makes us. It's not us. And this corrects, this corrects our messed-up little perception of God's work in the world and in our fellowship here at Faith. We look at people and we make judgments. We tend to think we might know who has more potential to be a mature Christian. And while we're here doing that, we are missing the mark. We do it. We do it. Well, that person has more potential of being a Christian, a mature Christian than I ever will because they grew up in a Christian home and we list off all the excuses in the world. Jesus didn't go to the cross for that person. He went to the cross for all of us. And therefore, he desires all of us to walk in a Christian, mature way with him. Again, this message is for Pastor Brett as well as you. He didn't say, I died for that person, and yeah, I died for you because you were just part of the world. No, he gave his life. He gave a gift that you will never, ever 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 even make enough money to repay you won't do it this brings us to our last point our reason we've seen our ministry our target and now the reason why which is the purpose I'm going to close with that scripture passage run 13 through 23 But before I do, I want to say a few things. We're not going there quite yet. We should never forget that this amazing thing we get to do, this exalting Jesus, lifting him high and drawing people to him, this is a work we are invited into, not a work that we invented. I want you to be clear on that. See, sometimes we talk about vision and and mission and purpose, And sometimes we get it confused. We think it's something that we invented. No, Jesus has said to you from the front to the back, from those at home to me, from the front to the back on this side as well, He has said to every one of you, Would you join me in the work that I'm doing? Would you give your life to the work that I'm doing in Temple PA and in Reading PA and across the world? and he's invited us in and somehow we have flipped that script. I'm telling you we have. We've flipped it to believe that we have invented it. We've invented the ways that Jesus works. But he's already at work. He doesn't doesn't need to use us. You know, we we sing that song about calling down 10,000 angels and and he could have handled it all by himself. He doesn't need to use us. He doesn't need to use Faith Church to reach Temple PA. He doesn't need to use us at Light Tonight. He doesn't need to use us in our outreaches. He doesn't need to use us. But he does. Because you know why? Because the world that's out there, that, that sees the hurt, that sees the pain, they know your world. And they say, you know, I know what Pastor Brett has been through. I've seen his life. I know what a mess he was at one point. And the fact that he's serving Jesus right now, I want a part of that. Not because I want to follow Pastor Brett, but because I want to be a part of something much bigger than myself. You know, when I became a youth pastor, I became a youth pastor in my hometown, which is not, not recommended, um, to be honest with you. It's hard, because you know what Jesus says? A prophet in his own hometown doesn't have respect. It's true. You know, you walk up to somebody and they say, I remember changing your diaper when you were in the, in the nursery. And then you turn around and go, well, I was going to confront you on that sin, but I guess I'll walk away, because now I'm embarrassed. All right? All right. So there we are, and we're in my hometown. And I remember walking into school, in Dover Area High School. And I went back a couple of years after I graduated, and my basketball coach says, what are you doing with your life now, Brad? I'm a pastor. Did you just say pastor? Yeah, I'm a pastor. Dude, quit kidding with me, man. What are you doing with your life? I'm a pastor. What happened? Jesus happened. Jesus saw a wretch that used foul language in the locker room under your tutelage. And he loved me enough to die on a cross for me, and I accepted him. Jesus used the kid who was almost booted from school And Jesus can do it in every life represented here, too. See, the point is, is, is that we don't invent it. I don't know why Jesus saved my life. I know I'm not worthy of it. But he did it, and he did it for you, too. Everything around us, creation and everything in it, exists because God the Father chose to show us his glory, which he means he chose to show us his Son. In a phrase, we do what we do because Jesus is real. And sometimes I think as the church universal, we don't have a clue how real he really is. I know we don't. The things that are done sometimes by those who proclaim Jesus' name show me that we don't know how real he really is. There's so much ahead of us as a ministry here at Faith Church. There's so much ahead of us but we need to do it together. We need to put this plan into action. Because you notice what it does, it doesn't put the pressure on me as your pastor. Because here's something I needed to realize, and I'm just now accepting it. I didn't die to save this church. Somebody else did. And he's who our focus ought to be on. I can do what I do with as well as I can do it. And I will. But I'm not the Savior. And sometimes I slip out of my sandals and I put his sandals on. And he has been ever so gently reminding me, you're not the Savior. Get out of my sandals. Friends, you're not the Savior. Get out of his sandals. Embrace him. Let him lead. Let him do his thing. Because here's a little clue, and I mean no disrespect with this. He does it much better than we do. When I try to do it in my own power, I fail. When I let him lead, he does it so much better. He does it so much better. And this Jesus in whom we have redemption, this one in whom we trust and have been united in by faith, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. In Colossians 1, verses 13 through 23, which I believe are on the following screens, I'm going to read in just a minute. I want you to sit back and watch the screen. I want you for the first time, maybe, maybe second time, maybe the third time, to hear the power of your Savior. The one who's in charge here. The one who is realer than we want to admit he is. I want you to watch and just listen. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created." So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself to all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your own minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed in every creature under heaven, and of which Paul, I, Paul, have become a servant. Let me reread verse 23 for you for just one minute. If you continue in your faith, if you continue in your faith, established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Christ has paid the price. We didn't invent this. We've been invited into this by God's grace. And I know over the past couple of years, it has been nothing but frustrating sometimes. But I wonder if the Apostle Paul in the Church of Colossae isn't challenging us this morning to remember, remember, how frustrating it must have been for him to go to the cross for an entire world and know that 20, 30% don't really care that he did. We are up against it in the American church. We're under a serious attack. And I'm here to encourage you, may not feel like it. The other day, I was surfing Facebook. Probably do that a little too much. A denomination put up something about encouraging their pastors. They said, October is Pastor's Appreciation Month. Please encourage your pastor. I'm not going to name the name of the denomination, although they didn't have anything to do with what I'm about to say. Underneath that comment about encouraging pastors, one person wrote, don't know the person from from Adam he wrote i'm all for roasting marshmallows over the hot coals of what used to be the church in america now you might just be able to shrug that off but i cried we've come this far Are you kidding me? That's why it's important that I tell you what our target is, what our ministry is, and what our purpose is, more than ever. The fight is real. Truth is on trial. Things are blurry right now. If you believe Colossians chapter 1 about your Jesus, if you're here today, then you need to embrace Jesus with all you got. If you don't believe, then you need to consider embracing Jesus. You can do it right now. This doesn't require us being perfect first. This doesn't require us having the right set of rules nailed down. This isn't a hierarchy. This isn't a set of rules. This is about following our Savior. Embrace Him. Trust Him like that. And for us as a church, embrace Him like that because our ministry, our target, and our purpose is not a burden, friends. And I'm quite frankly tired of it looking like it is. It's not a burden to serve Jesus. And we got to stop acting like it is. And start putting him on the throne of our lives and the throne of our country and the throne of our society. In order for him to change lives, not us. It's not a burden, friends. We're here because Jesus is who Jesus said he is. And telling that good news to one another and to the community is not an assignment we've been given. It is a wonder that God has invited us into. So we saw our ministry. We saw our target. We saw our purpose. If if we put it all together, we might say it this way. Our ministry is to proclaim Christ. Our target is to be complete in Christ. And our purpose is because of who Christ is. This is what I pray becomes our culture around here. This is what I pray becomes our actions around here. We are not here to run a spiritual YMCA. I'm sorry. We're here to run to Jesus and embrace him with all we have. Because at the end of the day, he's the only one that's going to save anyone don't believe the politicians on the tv they ain't going to save you at the end of the day i don't care what side of the aisle they're on jesus is the only one that's going to save us and we got to start embracing him period that's the call of paul in colossians He's watching a world fall apart and a church get involved in that world falling apart, and he's seeing blurriness. And so, the whole way through Colossians, I would encourage you to read the book of Colossians because the whole way through, he's crystal clear to the church. You've gotten your eyes on this, and you've gotten your eyes on this, and instead, you need to have your eyes on this Jesus Christ. Crystal clear. Can't be any more clear. And so I leave you with this. And on the bottom of your sermon outline, I ask you to do something while I'm away. Would you pray on this for two weeks? Would you ask the Lord, how have I embraced you with all I've got? How have I gotten my eyes on other things instead of embracing you? And then repent of those things. Would you do it? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it from a different location than you're doing it. But I'm going to do it. Because I believe that the battle is real. And I honestly believe, and this is not to scare anyone, I honestly believe we better buckle our seatbelts. Because we're in for the ride of our lives. And either you're in with them or you're not. Embrace him. That's the call of Jesus. Embrace me. Let's pray together. Father God, it's a it's a it's a tough situation that we find ourselves in. Lord, when I see comments like I saw on Facebook the other day about, you know, roasting, roasting marshmallows over a church. I'm first saddened by whatever might have happened in that person's life that they were so damaged by the church. But I'm second, brokenhearted like you were. When you look over that city of Jerusalem, the Bible says that you had literally your, your belly moved because you were brokenhearted because they were, the Bible says, like sheep without a shepherd. I see that in our world as well. I wonder, Lord, if you don't look down sometimes and see us as sheep without a shepherd. Help us to embrace you over the next several weeks and then into the rest of our lives. Help us to heed the call of Paul in Colossians. That yes, the oceans may fail, the world may fall apart, our bodies may are going to fall apart. But you, you are a sure foundation. And we'll be careful to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise for what you do. For it's in your name we pray this all. Amen. Let's... Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com.